0: Log Talk Radio reaching out radio international and this is the in the word with sister pearl and i'm your host tonight sister pearl i'm so blessed of the lord to be able to be with you yet another time thank god thank god thank god i hope that you've had a wonderful week since we were together last sunday night i pray that god's blessings have been very evident in your life and that you have been just enjoying his goodness and his greatness. And I want you to know, even if you've had a very tough week, even if things did not go the way that you had hoped that they would go, that God has kept you. He's kept me until this very time. And he has a plan. He has a great plan for you and for me. And that plan is to cause us to come closer to him, to know more of his love for us, to be more aligned with his will, uh, to be reflectors of who he is if we have been born into the kingdom of God. And So I just want to bless you. Again, this is Sister Pearl in um, the broadcast In the Word with Sister Pearl on Reaching Out Radio International. And what a blessing and an honor it is to be with you. We've been privileged of God to be able to share this gospel all over the world. We're in now at least about 75 different nations and the continents around uh, the world and uh, we're just so very grateful, so very humbled for this privilege. We bless evangelist uh, Montel Fields, the leader and the uh, the main person behind this mission work to preach the gospel to all the nations, to all the corners of the four parts of uh, where we are reaching. And we just thank God for her. We pray God's blessings upon her. So we're going to pray, but just before we go and pray, I want to tell you that we're talking tonight about God's kingdom. This is such an exciting topic. The kingdom of God, so different from any other kingdom. Hallelujah so great, so wonderful. There's nothing like being a part of the kingdom of God. And uh, whether you're in the great continent of Africa or Asia, Europe, South America, North America, uh, Australia, wherever you are hearing this broadcast tonight, I pray that you will uh, have it in your heart to become a vibrant and a real vital part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the highest kingdom on the planet. And it is the Lord's will that you would belong to his kingdom. Amen. So won't you listen very intently and prayerfully? Let's just go to the Lord in a word of prayer and uh, ask God to open up my heart, my understanding, your heart, your understanding. And that God would just breathe upon this word. We know that his word is already anointed. It needs nothing for me uh, to add to it. But I'm just going to be uh, used as one of his vessels tonight to share what is on his heart with you. And so I pray that you will be wide open and receptive to the word of God tonight. The word of God does tremendous things. It can... um, bring tremendous healing and clarity to us. And so that's what we're going to pray for tonight. Heavenly Father, in the wonderful name of your son, Jesus, we are so humbled and yet very grateful that you've invited us to come boldly before your throne and to ask in the name of Jesus for you to bless this hour, Lord God, that I'm going to be sharing as your handmaiden, as your servant, as a woman of God, to share the great, wonderful mysteries of the gospel. Lord God, tonight as we look into just a little bit further the kingdom of God and how important it is that we understand and that we walk and we live and we function the kingdom of God. God, open up our understanding that we would be able to discern what you're saying to us tonight through your holy scriptures, that we would apply your word to our hearts, and that we would be men and women that will reflect your kingdom on this earth. Just as you taught us in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to live according to your kingdom on the earth. Oh, Father, and may we be obedient children, obedient sons and daughters of you, joyfully, cheerfully reflecting you Being an example of who you are, Lord God, and living for you, and living according to your will and your precepts. Take away all distractions, take away all confusion, and grant us tremendous clarity in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name, amen and amen. God bless you. So let's just go straight into the word of God. This is part two of God's kingdom. Tonight I'm going to read from Psalm 145, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. We find the phrase kingdom of God, also known as the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of light more than 80 times in the New Testament. Now, most of these references occur in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. God's kingdom is also referred to twice in John's Gospel. Mary Fairchild, Mary Fairchild in her article, What is the Kingdom of God? states, The central theme of Jesus Christ's preaching was the kingdom of God. But what does the phrase mean? Is the kingdom of God a physical place or a present spiritual reality? Who are the subjects of this kingdom? And does the kingdom of God exist now or only in the future? Let's do some research in the Bible, God's holy word, to find the answers to these questions. Let's Let's just try to define what is the kingdom of God. The concept of a kingdom of God is not primarily one of space, territory, as in a national kingdom, but instead, it's one of kingly rule, reign, and sovereign control. The kingdom of God is the realm where God reigns supreme, and Jesus is is king. Jesus Christ is king. In this kingdom, God's authority is recognized and his will is obeyed. Ron Rhodes, theology professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, he offers this bite-sized definition of the kingdom of God. Professor Rhodes says, God's present spiritual reign over his people as according to Colossians 1.13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sons he loves and Jesus' future reign in the millennial kingdom. And you can read all about that in Revelations chapter 20. The Old Testament scholar, Grammy Goldsworthy, summarized the kingdom of God in even fewer words. He said, God's people in God's place under God's rule. I'm going to say that again. According to the Old Testament scholar, Mr. Goldsworthy, he's saying of the kingdom of God that it is God's people in God's place under God's rule. Jesus and the kingdom. John the Baptist began his ministry announcing that the kingdom of heaven was at hand you remember matthew chapter 3 verse 2 and i'm going to read it to you right now matthew 3 2 the word of god came to us from john the baptist when he said repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near then jesus took over from john the baptist and he said in matthew chapter 4 verse 17 Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus taught his followers how to enter the kingdom of God. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father, who is in heaven, he is seven. Verse 21. The parables. That Jesus spoke of Jesus illuminated his Truth and he taught us the facts About the kingdom of God He said in Matthew Chapter 13 verse 11 To you It has been given to know The secrets Of the kingdom of heaven But to them Meaning the world It has not been given In the same way as was taught in part one of God's kingdom, Jesus urged his followers to pray for the coming of the kingdom. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Jesus promised he would come again to earth in glory to establish his kingdom as an eternal inheritance for his people. Now in John chapter 18 verse 36, Jesus said, my kingship is not of this world. Christ was not implying that his reign had nothing to do with the world but that his dominion came not from any earthly human, but from God. For this reason, Jesus rejects the use of worldly fighting to achieve his purposes. So where and when is the kingdom of God? Sometimes the Bible refers to the kingdom of God as a present reality, while other times as a future realm or territory. The Apostle Paul said the kingdom was part of our present spiritual life. He said in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I plan to talk more in this verse in God's kingdom uh, during probably part three next week, Lord willing. Again, I repeat from Romans fourteen seventeen, that we'll talk more extensively on the next uh, um, series of this particular lesson, God's kingdom. I'm going to talk more extensively about the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So make sure that you stay tuned for next week to catch up more on that aspect of God's kingdom. Paul also taught that followers of Jesus Christ enter into the kingdom of God at salvation. He, meaning Jesus Christ, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Let me repeat that. Jesus Christ has delivered us Out of the kingdom and the domain of darkness, he delivered us out of Satan's kingdom. And he's transferred us, transported us, taken us kingdom of his beloved son. And we find more about that in Colossians chapter 1. I just read to you verse 13, but you can read more to get a greater understanding of, of what has taken place. And that's why we're called the church. Those of us that belong to Christ, we're called the ecclesia. That's a Greek term. The ecclesia of God means that we were brought out of darkness and into the light, the kingdom of God. So nevertheless, Jesus often spoke Of the kingdom as a future Inheritance He said in Matthew 25 In verse 34 Then the king will say to those On his right Come you who are Blessed by my father Inherit the kingdom prepared for you From the creation of the world And then he gets He said again in Matthew Chapter 8 in verse 11 I say to you That many will come from the east and the West, and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. I want to stop there just for a moment. I want to read uh, that verse again that I just read from Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11. I say to you that many will come from the East and from the West, places at the feast At the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. You know, many times when we share the life-changing, life-liberating, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, if I belong to one culture or I belong to one country or I belong to, you know, one nation, and I'm sharing the gospel maybe I'm of one tribe, I'm sharing the gospel with somebody from another tribe or another, uh, you know, language or another culture, they will often say, oh, well, the gospel is just, you know, the white man's religion. I have never heard such a ridiculous saying all of my life. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not have a color. And it is for every culture it is not just for people that come from the west that's how come jesus said i will say to you that many will come from the east and the west and i can add the north and the south the gospel of the kingdom is for every man every woman every boy every girl everybody who has been created by God. And we know that nobody has been created by God of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who is the great creator, and he has created all of us. And so that's why he said, I will say to you that many will come from the east, from the west, and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So here goes a, ver- a verse that is very clear to explain that the gospel of the kingdom of God is not for one particular culture or ethnic group or tribe or nation, but is for the peoples of the world because God, the sovereign God, created the peoples of the entire world. The Apostle Peter described the future reward of those who persevere in the faith. He said it in 2 Peter 1, verses 11. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at the summary of God right now. The simplest way to understand the kingdom of God is to know that it is the realm where Jesus Christ reigns as king and God's authority is supreme. This kingdom exists here and now in the lives and the hearts of the redeemed. When I say redeemed, what does the word redeemed means? It means those that Jesus bought a bought us from the hands of the enemy. And how did he do that? By shedding his perfect, unblemished, sinless blood to pay as a sacrifice, to pay as a ransom for the penalty of my sin. And your sin. And so because of what Jesus did for you and for me, we are called the redeemed. So the kingdom of God exists right here and now. Because some people might think, oh, well, you know, I'll belong to the kingdom of God after I die. No, 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 no. If you are washed in the blood of Jesus and your sins have been forgiven by the Lord, You don't enter the kingdom of God only after you die. You enter God's kingdom right now while you're alive and breathing and healthy and well. You are a part of God's kingdom, his eternal kingdom, from the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you have received the gift of salvation that he has given for all of us through his shed blood on Calvary's cross. So, again, I repeat, this kingdom is, exists here and now in part in the lives and the hearts of the redeemed. Remember, redeemed are the, are the ones that Jesus bought. He bought us back as well as in perfection and fullness in the future. Last week, we learned that a man or woman cannot enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So if you have not heard last week's teaching, I invite you to go and listen to part one of God's kingdom, just in case you missed it. We also went over the fact last week that we have his spirit indwelling us, and we are indeed his children bound for heaven. In other words, on our way to heaven. Just recently, actually just a couple of days ago, I was speaking with a husband and a young father of three girls. I was sharing the gospel with him. He was of another faith, not a Christian. And after I asked him where he would be spending eternity, he told me that he hoped he would be able to make it to heaven. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people that are listening to this broadcast, That God wants us to have assurance of salvation. He does not want us to be wondering, God forbid, if I were to die today or in the next minute, I am not sure of where I would spend eternity. God does not want us to live like that. He wants us to live with assurance. He wants us to live and understand that we belong to his kingdom. I want to read to you from Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Let me clearly to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed. This is the uh, Apostle Peter speaking at this time in chapter 4 of Acts, the book of Acts. He said, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he, talking about Jesus, he was healed, talking about a man was healed. I'm sorry. Jesus healed a man from his sickness. And the man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. How I wish that young man that I was speaking to on Friday, how I wish that he understood that, that salvation is not going to come through anybody's Name, or position, title, strength, and even that wonderful young man that I spent at least twenty minutes sharing the gospel with him and 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 listening to him also. I I realized how confused he was because he was hoping, just hoping, by the way, not sure, hoping that he could make heaven dependent on his good deeds, dependent on his good works. And then he said, what about you? Are you sure that you're going to make heaven? He asked me the question, and I said, sir, I am sure, but it has nothing whatsoever to do with my goodness or my abilities. It has everything to do with the fact that I've received the free gift of salvation that only Jesus Christ can provide for me and for you. See, you and I will never be able to make it to heaven if we're depending on our own goodness, own abilities, God forbid. The only way that we can make it to be with God eternally in heaven is to humble ourselves And to receive the free gift of salvation, which only comes by complete reliance and dependence upon God and not on ourselves. Lastly, if we are genuinely born again and belong to God's kingdom, then you and I are to live intentionally. What do I mean by intentionally? Live purposefully on purpose, deliberately. We plan to live. We, we execute living. This is our purpose, living as sons and daughters of not just anybody, but of the most high king, the king that's above every other king, the king in whose kingdom you and I belong. If we have been washed, by the blood of Jesus. If we have repented of our sins and invited Jesus Christ to be our Lord, our Savior, and we're living for him, then we're living according to the kingdom and his His principles. I call them kingdom principles. One of the most vital aspects of kingdom living is to be very cognizant, be very aware that we are not our own, Belong to the king. What I'm going to read from First Corinthians 9, First Corinthians chapter 6, First Corinthians 6, verses 19 to 20. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's again I, I just read from first Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 through 20 one of the key principles to understand and live out daily is to know where our allegiance belongs to first people belonging to the kingdom of God when put to the test god's kingdom people must obey him above all else as the apostle Peter said to those who were listening to him in Acts chapter 5 verse 29 Peter said and all the apostles replied we must obey God rather than any human authority This loyalty, submission, and commitment to God is critical. Oh, I want everybody to understand this. It is critical to us living as God has designed, as he has willed and commanded us to conduct his kingdom business on planet Earth. We are to be under his divine domain. First and foremost. So in other words, if you ask me, Pearl, are you an American citizen? I would have to say, yes, I am. But first, now listen to me now. My first citizenship belongs to the kingdom of God. I first am a citizen of God's kingdom. And that dictates to me how I will function as I live here in America. And when I was living abroad, I became a resident of another nation. When I lived there, I became a permanent resident. However, my allegiance was not even first to that place or even to the country of my birth, America, but my first allegiance my first commitment, my first loyalty, is always to God's kingdom. So we're to be under his divine domain first and foremost. This is a challenge to every blood-washed believer today. To whose lordship will we submit to? That's the question. I gave you an example of this type of kingdom living versus living for the world and its system. Let's take a quick look at the topic of abortion, for example. And for those of you that are not clear about what abortion is, abortion is a practice that many nations across the world have now legalized, and they've allowed for a woman to have her pregnancy terminated, by either surgical operation the doctor goes in and begins to remove parts of that living baby that's growing and developing inside of that mom's womb uh that crushes its 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 head scalp you know stabs its heart takes out pieces of the baby, limb by limb through very strong forceps that are, you know, that were introduced into the mother's womb, and then the baby is destroyed. The baby's life is terminated. This is called abortion. And so many countries around the world, including mine, mine is definitely a a nation that promotes abortion, unfortunately, and I say this not gladly, I say this uh, with great sadness and disbelief. But, you know, the country of America is very much involved in abortion and promoting abortion around the world. So God's will concerning the taking of little babies developing in their mother's wombs is very different from many of the other nations in this world because what God states about abortion is that he hates it. He said in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, he said, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination. It, he abhors it. He hates it. He cannot stand it. And what are some of those things? Just three of them are a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands. Hands that shed innocent blood can be no more innocent blood than the blood that's, throw, that's, that's just um, pumping through the veins. Of the most vulnerable among us, little babies, developing, growing in the wombs of their moms. What blood could be more innocent than that? There cannot be more innocent blood in the blood of a little baby in the womb of his or her mother. And so God says, "I hate that." So, so when you talk about Belonging to the kingdom of God, it amazes me. It amazes me how some preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, some of them pastoring churches in this nation where I am right now, United States of America, only America, it's it's also Canada, it's also Australia, it's also So many other nations throughout Europe and other places, so many of them are promoting this abominable practice of killing babies in the womb. So what should I stand for as a a child of God? Should Should I go and align myself to the practices of a wicked nation? God forbid. Or should I stand strong and be like what the apostle Paul said, stand my ground, and like the other apostles? Because the Bible says, but Peter and the apostles replied. So Peter was not the only apostle that replied this way. They said, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Wow, that's what it means to be kingdom-minded. Now, usually, when you've got somebody that's really living according to the kingdom of God, that person is going to make a marked difference where they are planted, wherever that man or that woman is. And if they're living according to principle, godly principles and godly designs and godly ways, will, trust me, that individual becomes an automatic blessing, an automatic blessing to that nation, that town, that city, that neighborhood, that community, that work environment automatically because they're living according to godly principles. One of godly principles is that we must forgive those that have done us evil, that have done us wrong. Now, sometimes you can forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean that you, you have to always be around them. A few people, not everybody, and not the majority, but there will be people in your lives cannot be around them any longer because they refuse to acknowledge their sin, and they refuse to repent. And they refuse to turn from doing the wicked and evil, abominable things that they do. They refuse to stop saying the abominable things that they say. They refuse to to live godly. They refuse to, to be nice and to be decent and to be kind. And so some people you have to just stay away from. But you forgive them, though. You forgive them. You don't hold anything in your heart against them if if you could help them in time of need you help them but you don't invite them to sit at your table because you know that they're just looking for opportunity to do something wicked undermining and evil but always remain forgiving so people that are forgiving will always be welcomed because they're people that know how to forgive they're people that know how to bless. They're people that know how to love. They're people that know how to build up. They're people that know how to heal. They're people that are not interested in always what's the best for them, but they want to think about what is what is God's will in this situation, and how can I bless this these people in this situation? That's what kingdom minded people do. That's how kingdom-minded people function. They function according to the kingdom of God. And so when you're around a kingdom-minded person, somebody that is walking and living and breathing and operating in the kingdom of God, you want to be around these type people. Wow. Because they're phenomenal blessings. Will they go along with everything that the world is going along with? No. And let me tell you something. Anytime somebody goes along things that the world is is very excited about, but that God hates, you don't want to mix with people that mix the world with the things of God. For instance, right now, I am beside myself trying to figure out how some of the pastors in the city where I live, in New York City, I'm trying to figure out how can these pastors promote candidates for political office that have time and time and time again Mm -hmm. voted, the destruction of human life developing in the wombs of their mothers how could preachers of the gospel be in agreement with such horrific things that they already know by the word of God God detests God hates it God created a man and a woman to marry and to have a family. Our lifetime, governments are pushing for men to marry men and women to marry women. And in some cases, for there to be multiple parties, quote-unquote, married together and having children together Maybe one woman with several men or one man with several women. This is not according to God's ordinances or his ways or his precepts or his principles. This is according to a sinful world. And so in a case like this, we must obey God rather than any human government or authority. Marry two men together when God says in his words that for a man to to have the same kind of intimate sexual relationship with another man is an abomination. That's what God says. So that we're left to ask the question, whose words do we believe? Do we believe God's word or do we believe the words of a sinful government? Now, I'm not asking you, to go against your government. I'm saying is that in times, there are certain times when your government is promoting something that is clearly against God's will. When you're in the kingdom of God, that's the time that you live very clearly and openly that you live for God's kingdom that you're portraying the kingdom of God on earth. And so if you have to take a side, always side people of God with God and his kingdom, able to say like the apostle Paul did, I must, or i rather obey God than man. And I must obey God rather than any human authority wow yes the kingdom of god is not like earthly kingdoms and yet as we learned last week you and i are not to live as if we belong down here we must live with heaven in sight at all times we must live and ask god father how do you want me to conduct business today. You know, I know people that work for other people in secular jobs. And the great majority of the time, you will hear that employer say, "Wow, brother so and so, sister so and so is one of my best workers." Why? Because when we work, we're working to please God. You might be on a job working you know, for an employer, but you know that God is watching. You know that God looks down from heaven above. And so whatever you and I do, we have to do it to the best of our ability because we're to be ambassadors for God. We're to represent God. Going back to the story about the pastors, because right now I can tell you in America, Right now, and I'm thinking about my particular state, they're, they're, they're about ready now to have election time. So they're going to have the primary in June, and Lord willing, really, they're going to have the general big election come November this year, God willing. So they're going to put in who's going to be the next governor, who's going to be the next senator, who's going to be the next congresswoman, who's going to be the next councilman, like that. And so people have different uh, platforms that they're speaking about. I cannot believe that some of our leading pastors in New York are openly promoting a previous governor of our state that has done some of the most abominable and wicked things imaginable. And then you have people that claim to be shepherds of God's flock, endorsing wicked politicians. I don't understand. All I know is that anybody who can do this, especially a preacher of the gospel, has no idea of what it means to be kingdom-minded and to submit to God's kingdom and to God's ordinances, and to God's precept, and to God's design, and to God's will. The very same people will complain later on, but they're the ones that put in ungodly people to govern and officiate over the affairs of people in our city and our state. It is unbelievable. You and I, kingdom-minded. Let's look at that first verse that we did tonight. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. And again, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? It talks about kingly rule, Reign and sovereign control The only one Who should have the supreme control Over your life And over my life Is King Jesus That's what it means To belong to the kingdom of God It's that realm where God Reigns supreme Not a earthly government But where God reigns supreme And Jesus Christ Is king Heavenly Father I just entrust all those that were listening to Reaching Out Radio International tonight and listening to this second installment of God's kingdom, God, help us to live as people belonging to your kingdom and be intentional to purposely live as people that belong to your kingdom, people that you have called out of darkness and into your glorious light. God bless every man and woman listening to this program tonight. Draw them to yourself, Lord God. And for those that have already committed their lives to you, help them to remember on a daily basis that they do not belong to themselves. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to you, King Jesus. Bless us, I pray, and make us phenomenal blessings wherever you plant us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is your Sister Pearl again with Reaching Out Radio International. In the word with Sister Pearl, God bless you real big until we meet again next Sunday night. God bless you. Have a great week. Bye-bye.